This is a GRDC podcast. Hi there, I'm Hilary Sims. Dual-purpose crops under irrigation offer an attractive graze and grain return. But what's the best setup to maximise potential at the paddock level? In this GRDC podcast, we hear from three growers who have put forward paddocks in an ambitious effort to answer just that, as part of the Optimising Irrigated Grains investment. They grazed dual-purpose crops under irrigation in 2021 and have three distinctly different stories to tell. But first, I'm joined by Riverine Plains Project Officer Kate Coffey to get the background on how these growers came to be involved. The Optimising Irrigated Grains Project is a GRDC investment trying to push the yield potential of irrigated crops. And there's three components to the project. So there's a research component, there's an economics component, and there's an extension component. So my project fits within the extension component. And I run a, an irrigation discussion group here at Mulwala, which includes both New South Wales and Victorian farmers on either side of the Murray River. And I'm one of eight of these irrigation discussion groups across southern Australia and Tasmania. The idea of the irrigation discussion groups, it's an opportunity for the farmers to test and participate in the research and that is done through three farmer meetings per year and also within each year we pick a a focus paddock and we do a demonstration, we monitor that demonstration throughout the year. How did the focus paddock on grazing irrigated crops come about and what was it aiming to achieve? So last year, the group met at a planning meeting and the farmers decided that they wanted to do a focus paddock study around grazing irrigated crops and whether that could be a profitable option compared to just sowing the crop and taking it through to grain. We had two paddocks, so there was a wheat paddock and a canola paddock and both were sown in March last year. The measurements that we took included plant counts, dry matter cuts, lamb weights in and out of the paddock and final yield. We also measured fertiliser applications and water applications so we could look at the overall profitability of the exercise. Hello, I'm Corey Ubergang. I farm here with my wife and family in northeast Victoria. Our closest location is Peterbar East, but quite central to Rutherglen, Wangaratta and Yarrawonga. We crop, predominantly dry land crop, 1,800 hectares, made up of owned, leased share farm and some contract cropping area. This is Corey Ubergang, our first farmer. He's part of the Riverine Plains Irrigation Discussion Group. And in 2021, he sowed 40 hectares of dual-purpose winter-type canola for the Focus Paddock study. As Corey explains, the canola was really a demonstration as it was the first year he'd introduced irrigation and grazing crops to the family farming operation. We chose dual-purpose winter variety Hyola 970. And the reason why we went for a grazing canola, one was the live weight gain, two was the flexibility of that variety. So we had a new area set up for irrigation, a large number of trees removed in the paddock. We had to do a lot of preparation, a lot of levelling of the paddock. We knew that the cereals, we had intentions as soon as we were prepared of sowing as early as late January, early February. We needed the month of January to do the preparation. We thought that that 
kernel variety would give us the most flexibility. We could sell it that early if we can, or if it got into April, May, we could sell the variety then. So we couldn't choose cereals or, or other varieties at that time. So that was the choice around that variety. And we get the added benefit of the grain at the other end. Our input targets, nitrogen, we decided about 3.5 kilos. So a little bit, a little heavier than our dryland canola. We generally sell our dryland canola at high twos or around about that three kilos. We targeted a three to 3.5 tonne yield. So we just did all the nitrogen budgets based on that. So it got around about 340, 350 kilos of urea. And the timings were targeted around um, some nitrogen went on early, uh, pre-so, and when the crop was early, we left the nitrogen alone while the animals were grazing the crop. Um, then when they were moved in July, we put our final applications on post-grazing. So first time growing a dual peppers crop and first time irrigating, how did it play out for you in the season, Corey? Yeah, Hilary, so I'm, I, need to, I need to profess that I'm, I have no skills or background in livestock. I've, I've got an employee who's got a strong livestock background. So I effectively let him manage this project. But the intention was with winter canola is to lock it up in July for grain and utilise the biomass so that early at a good density, utilise the biomass for live weight gain prior to that lockup stage. We targeted a, a 20 DSE over that um, 40 hectare area. So we effectively purchased enough animals to run that 20 DSE. The purchase was made in, in January. The way the summer turned out with lots of rain, we f- finished um, more than half of those animals on our stubbles. So as it turned out, we didn't have the animals to graze the area uh, evenly or effectively. Because our farm is predominantly a cropping property, we have our enterprise is basically punting on trading animals over the summer period. And if we need to finish, if we finish them over summer, summer well and good, or if we finish them on a, on a crop in June or July, we can do that as well. So we didn't have the animals to graze the area effectively, and the 40-hectare irrigated area is in a 70-hectare paddock, which also wasn't fenced with time constraints. So the animals really chose to, to not specifically graze the canola only until they'd exhausted all the other feed sources around it. I guess the learning for us is we we approached it from we approached it from a cropping perspective. We really to do it well. We needed a few things. We needed to be effectively fenced, even have some hot wires so we can graze zones and a set aside area as well. We, we needed some other pastures. We, we had a particularly wet winter, so we had pugging issues. We had canola losses because we had nowhere else to put these animals other than that irrigated area. How about the numbers behind the grazing and grain results that you had? Is there anything you can share? Yeah, because the, the grazing, uh, it wasn't an even or uniform grazing, we pulled the yield map apart, looked at the grazed v ungrazed areas, and we found, and I'm sorry I don't have that data in front of me, but we found a grazing penalty of about 300 kilos off the top of my head. Live weight gain wasn't quite what we budgeted, but again we blamed the, the wet winter and the harsh conditions they were in, they were effectively walking around in in water for extended periods. So we moved them off a cereal-based feed source, so they took a week or 10 days to start putting live weight gain on. They certainly did, and they were doing very well early. As we got into the dead of winter, things got wet, they struggled. So definitely live, live weight gain, no question about that. We'd hoped we'd get 200 grams per day. We finished up with about 110, 120 grams per day. So overall, Corey, 
maybe not a season that you hope to repeat, but still a worthwhile exercise with some good learnings? For me, it was um, some very good learning. We made lots of mistakes, but some very good, very good learnings out of the whole exercise. But I, I think well, I chose the grazing canola as the next best alternative that I saw in this zone, and I still believe it is the case. And uh, I think the live weight gains under a canola crop could be quite enormous. Um, let's make sure we do it better next time. Our second farmer is John Bruce. Like Corey, John's part of the Riverine Plains Irrigation Discussion Group and also hosted a grazing trial in 2021. Wheat was John's crop of choice, and he joins me now to speak about how the season played out. Hi, I'm John Bruce. I farm with my wife, Sarah, and two daughters at Brugger in southern New South Wales. Our farming operation consists of 1,060 hectares of both dryland and irrigation. We have about 300 hectares of irrigation, both pivot irrigation, flood and summer ice layout. We annually grow about 550 hectares of winter crop. On the sheep side of the business, we join approximately 1,650 merino ewes to borderless dirams, targeting the first cross ewe lamb market. So, John, talk us through the setup you had for the 2021 trial. So, basically, it was canola in 2020, and I think it would have, from memory, just had a, a Kelly chain across it just to smash the stubble up over the summer. And then, obviously, I think it only had one possibly one summer spray. It had a dry start um, last year and we pre-irrigated it early March and then sowed it about the 18th of, of March, I think, from memory. Not long after, we had um, 70 mil of rain, so the paddock probably got too, or did, it got too wet, so that probably didn't help with establishment. We've been sowing kitty hawk the last couple of years. Prior to that, we were wedged up. We're sort of aiming, I think, on that irrigation around that 150 plants a square metre. I think we only actually had half that when the crop came up. So we were probably up against up against it a little bit as far as yield set up. It had an application of about 150 of sulphate of ammonia up front. So it had three passes of 100 kilos of urea. So, yeah, 300 kilos of urea in total. And you also had tillage radish in the wheat as part of the trial, which I understand is something you do with your grazing cereals. How did it go in this instance? Um, yeah, so we've, we've been using it for a couple of years now from a couple of different angles. One, just to help with soil health and busting up the hard pan rather than a sort of mechanical ripping or something like that. But also this trial's probably confirmed what I was thinking and hoping the cereals are naturally low in calcium and the radish actually balances that calcium out for the sheep. So, yeah, the lambing ewes or ewes that are lactating, just cereals on their own can become calcium deficient. But having the radish in there, it seems to balance that out. So we don't, apart from roughage hay, we don't put any lick blocks or loose licks or anything in the paddock with the sheep. The radish seems to to help that. And once they get the taste for it, they will actually eat the radish into the ground. Like it's quite bizarre to watch what they do. They yeah, eat, they eat it like we eat a carrot or something like that. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, so speaking of sheep, what did your grazing strategy look like? So where the trial was, there was thirty three hectares in that paddock, and the paddock got quite wet. So once we had that initial sort of seventy mil of rain after we watered it. We got quite a dry spell and 
We actually made the decision before um, our irrigation water gets turned off at the start of June here or about June, so we actually made the decision to water it before the water got shut off and as Murphy has it, it rained not that long afterwards, so the paddock got quite wet. The paddock, like it got away from us really, so uh, we ended up, we had, I think we had about 2,000 head on that, 33 hectares, so we had, yeah, I think 1,000 ewes and, and 1,000 lambs as well, just purely to try and get get it eaten down. But with the way the winter was, we just physically probably couldn't get the mouths on it. If I had my time again, we'd, we were away for June um, holidaying. So, But if I had my time again, we probably would have split the paddock up with electric fences, which we do quite a bit of here, just a, a two-strand electric fence. We'll keep stock in. So we probably should have gone back and set it up and just sell grazed it and, and sort of locked them in a smaller area. Um, just so they could really flog the, the area out. But, yeah, because they were up against it from the get-go because there was so much crop there, we just couldn't really get it eaten back the way we probably would have liked. So the sheep were up against it. How did the season play out for you in terms of grazing and grain results? So we ended up with about a 15 kilogram of dry matter a day result and that had a sample taken on the 26th of May and also the 30th of June. We weighed them over a 10-day period and the lambs averaged 160 grams a day for that 10 days. So with the combined grain and, and graze, we were about a $1,520 a hectare gross margin. It was a pretty good result given given how wet it got. When we actually did the lambs, weighed them, I think it would have been the coldest and wettest 10 days for for winter so given how miserable the weather was um, it was probably a good result for them to still be putting weight on. John what would you say the biggest take-home from the exercise was for you? Probably the biggest take-home for me was that the dry matter was so low we only had about 10% dry matter which it was quite good quality feed yeah I was a bit shocked I thought the dry matter might have been higher than that. To counterbalance that we just poured the roughage into them you know half a dozen bales of hay every couple of days. When we started putting it out, well, we were putting it out anyway, but um, when we really started chucking it out, they were really getting into it. So that did help. It did balance that out a little bit. And looking ahead, what's the plan? What's in the ground this season? Uh, no, well, no, no pre-watering because uh, we, we don't have to, which is good. We've got 40 hectares under an irrigator here that we will we'll just give 10 or 12 mil just to kick it along a little bit. So we've got I think we've got about 90 hectares of Phoenix canola in already and then we've got 130 hectares of yellowbow wheat to plant next week. We've just, we've gone in with, um, well, we've actually changed varieties just purely from we're hearing that it's it gives a bit more biomass and it also yields a bit better at the back end, the yellowbow over the kitty hawk. So it'll be, a, it'll be a interesting to see how it goes. John, best of luck with it and thank you for speaking with us. No worries, thanks. Our third and final grower is Nick Atkinson. His local grower group is Southern Growers, who are also part of the Optimising Irrigated Grains investment. Nick's 2021 trial resulted in some surprisingly positive yield results, which he puts down to variety selection. Here's Nick. We farm between Finley and Berrigan and also have another property between Tokemol and Deneliquin or Tokemol and Blighty. Primarily, we're a self-replacing merino flock and we also grow winter crops under irrigation and dry land conditions. 
we grow irrigated pasture, subclover, lucent, and also irrigated grazing crops. Because we were looking at grazing canola last year, we thought it was a good opportunity to get involved and look at the options when it comes to grazing canola. There's your traditional winter-type canolas, clearfield-based chemistry, and the opportunity arose to put a, a Series 5 spring-type normal canola side-by-side side with the grazing canola, and we just did that in a paddock of our own. What was driving this interest around Series 5 spring-type canola how did you hope it would fit in with your system? I've just been a little bit hesitant with the grazing canola in our environment due to the season length that it requires and how it, it's more prone to some heat stress later in our season, in our spring and early summer. And I was hoping that the five series spring type would uh, mature quickly or quicker than the winter type and sort of avoid the heat stress. I was prepared to take a little bit of a yield penalty because I was thinking, well, it might actually mature quicker, which would save an irrigation in spring compared to the winter type. So it was purely just to see how it all compared because we hadn't had much experience with grazing canola, so we just went in and looked at both options. So you had traditional winter canola alongside Series 5 spring type for this trial. Talk us through the crop setup. So we had a 60-hectare paddock and we ran this trial in there 46 hectares was sown to Edimax uh, grazing canola and then we had two 7-hectare blocks of one was 45Y91 and the other was 45Y95. They were sown on the 9th of March 2021 and we irrigated them immediately after sowing to germinate them. The paddock was sown at 2 kilos a hectare of seed and that was the same for all varieties. We sowed the canola with 100 kilos of MAP and we provided 250 kilos of urea in two top dressings, which equals 115 kilos of nitrogen from the urea. Because last year's autumn was quite dry, we actually followed it with a flood irrigation to germinate it and that got all the plants established probably a few days after the 9th and then it continued to be dry, so we actually gave it a flood irrigation in mid to late April, which historically we wouldn't really, we would never usually water canola when it's only two or 300 mils high, but it was it was quite dry and it was on a sandier type layout. So we thought it was a bit safer to do there. And then we got it all established, let it grow for a while, and then we didn't graze it until um, I think it was late April, early May, we put our first sheep on it. What did your grazing strategy look like for the different varieties? With the grazing, it was, we consistently grazed. Nothing was fenced off. The sheep had access to the Eddie Max and also the five series spring types. All was grazed evenly. I can't tell if there was a preference for one over the other. And when the sheep came off, the series five spring types, they went to flower probably two weeks before the winter type eddy max and at harvest time basically what we discovered was there's a 30 percent increase in yield from the series 5 spring type over the eddy max and the 45y91 had a slightly higher yield than the 45y95 but it wasn't significant enough 
it was just we just noticed it but i wouldn't i wouldn't go one way or the other based on that but what was interesting was the 30 percent increase in yield and as i said before is i would have been happy if it was the same or if if not slightly less because it would mean a save in irrigation or uh, better weed control options by going the, the spring type yeah 30 percent yield increase must have been a nice surprise do you have any numbers from the grazing perspective? We don't have cuts or um, weight gains because when we set the paddock up, it wasn't it wasn't to be done as a trial, but we had the opportunity. So we we just did what we could. And what we did was we put all our weather lambs on there. So we put 2,200 weather lambs and they stayed there from late April till mid-June. And they were shorn in the middle of, not the start of June, late May. But just visually, there was no difference between the traditional winter type Eddie Max and the Series 5 spring types. Overall, it sounds like a really positive result. Was there anything that didn't go to plan? What we found last year with the trial is we did have a significant weed problem once the sheep came out. So before the sheep went in, we, we did a spray for grasses and broadleaves and it was it worked really well. The, the crop was looking great. We put the sheep in, they grazed away, reduced the competition and then once the sheep came out, the weeds took back over and I think they had a second germination. So if I was to do it again, I've basically learnt that a five-series spring-type canola is, is an option for grazing but oh, instead of being clear-filled, I'd use a Roundup Ready, which I think would suit our farming system better. So to finish up, what would your advice be to other growers with a similar setup to you who are thinking about giving this a go? I think initially I'd say you've got nothing to lose by doing a bit of both in the same paddock as I've done in this trial. You can do your traditional winter grazing canolas and put a 45 variety next to it just graze it the same and, and see for yourselves because in our environment, which is not the same as everywhere in Australia, but it warms up in spring and with the traditional grazing canolas, we get heat stress during grain fill and then they stay green longer than everything else around them. So we get a lot of pest problems. So if we can shorten up the maturity, but still get the grazing benefit, then I think it works for us. That was Nick Atkinson from Finlay, New South Wales. And before him was Baruga grower John Bruce, Peachabar East grower Corey Ubergang and Riverine Plains Project Officer Kate Coffey. Together, they've been part of the Optimising Irrigated Grains Investment, a project trying to push the yield potential of irrigated crops. I'm Hilary Sims and thanks for listening.